Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Welcome to another week of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. How are you doing, Tara? Pretty good, Chris. How about you? Hey, pretty good. So I was cruising through Facebook right before we started to record here, and I came across this uh, this article on savage tweets from Professor Snape. Are you a Potterhead? No, I have no idea. I don't know much about oh, all of it. You're not going to know any of this then. No, I, I love but... Harry Potter. I, I think it's fantastic. I, you know, the kids have read it. I've read all the books. <laughs> of course, Professor Snape was played by the great Alan Rickman. Uh, but yeah, Alan Rickman's fantastic actor. And, uh, you know, he just always had great lines in all the movies that he played. But uh, so th- I, I came across this article and this was uh, this was uh, savage tweets from Professor Snape. And of course, Professor Snape died in the movie. So he's uh, you know no longer with us. And unfortunately, Alan Rickman has also passed away in real life. But uh, if you're into Harry Potter at all, go check these out. These are all uh, savage and hilarious all at the same time. So, uh, yeah, if you like your Potterhood there's your Potter fix for the day. <laughs> some of these are funny. They, I'm not much of a Potter head, but I, <laughs> some of them are just funny. Yeah. I think the first one is uh Rupert Grint who, uh, you know, played, uh, uh, you know, one of the Weasleys in there and, and, uh, you know, great. Another Weasley is the, is the tweet for the uh, baby announcement that, uh, Rupert's <laughs> girlfriend is pregnant. <laughs> so of course, you know, in the movie, there were like tons of Weasleys, right? Uh, you know, I'm so going to say, yeah, it's just to flow with it. Yeah, yeah, you need to watch them. We watch them every year. So, uh, and then, you know, there's uh, there's some of these that are a little more, uh, you know, you have to be a little more into the Lord than others. But, uh, yeah, I thought these were, <laughs> these were kind of funny. This is the newsroom. So the first article I have here in the newsroom is... Uh, the van life booms after lockdown. I thought this was kind of an interesting one because uh, it talks about, um, it's a link over on uh, LinkedIn and there's lots of different articles in here, but uh, basically it's saying, uh, you know, as the pandemic drags on, uh, people are basically selling their houses and getting vans and just living out of the vans. And, uh, oh my God. So, are yeah, you kidding me? No, I mean, van, van life has been kind of getting popular anyhow. Uh, people are getting these these Sprinter vans, which are, uh, you know, they're not the Chevy vans that are smaller. I mean, these Sprinter vans are like big delivery vans, and people are converting them into basically RVs. And uh, people are just living on the road. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Why? What is, why? <laughs> I don't understand well, I th- that. I think there's a big shift in lifestyle here. Uh, people are, are realizing that they don't have to be tied to a geographic area. Um, I think there's a lot of millennials now that, that are having kids and houses and stuff later on in life. So, uh, of course, if you don't have kids, you're a lot more mobile and, uh, and of course it's a lot less expensive to, uh, to get one of these things set up and live in it. Oh my gosh. So just, is this just like the, like the reverse counterpart to retiring where you, you know, you get the RV and you travel the country, you're in your twenties, you get down to college, you get an RV and you travel the country before you yeah, pretty much. Life experiences. That's crazy. I. Yeah. It's a new concept. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, you know, this kind of went through in the seventies, right? This kind of like the hippie yeah. sort of movement thing. But uh, I mean, no, this is a real thing. People are, and they're spending a lot of money on these vans. I mean, some of these vans are, you know, they'll have fifty to a hundred grand in them. Yeah, I see. Some of them are going up for three hundred thousand dollars or more. That's just. Oh my gosh. They're not your crappy van that's got five hundred thousand miles on it and. Uh, you know, 
But uh, yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, if you ever thought about a different way to live your life, this is kind of a good uh, good one to go look at and see what some other people are doing. Yeah, it's a different thing. I'll be darned. Well, huh. I'm excited. We've made it like uh, almost five minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about something that we've always talked about so far. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it come up no matter what? It's just a matter of time. It's just yeah. hard to accept we- it. Should we just get it out of the way? Get it done. Rip off the band-aid. That's your, that's your philosophy anyway. So this article here says that three states in this entire country out of 50 account for 42% of all the COVID deaths in America. New York has got to be one of them. New York has to be one of them. Okay, so that's one of them. So are they all in the Northeast? Because I would say it would be the Northeast states. They are. That would be, okay. They, they so, are all in the Northeast. We got New York covered. Um, I would think I'm going to hit you where it hurts. It's Massachusetts because isn't that your home state? It, it is. I'm, I'm a mass hole. I'm, <laughs> ma- ma- Massachusetts is one of the states in red. All right, uh, then. And the other um, one is our is our uh, counterparts down there in New Jersey. Gotcha. Uh, Jersey Shore representing. Jersey Shore. Well, makes sense. <laughs> so those are pretty populated. Those are really, really highly populated, especially New York city has millions upon millions of people. It's a port city for the U S. And so, and that was one of the main gateways for this virus to enter into the U S if you wanted to break it down in that fashion. Correct. Yeah. And if you look at New York, it's a, it's actually a very rural state. I mean, there are lots of, uh, of areas of New York where there's not a lot of people. Um, the, course the concentration of people is down in the area where new york city is right uh but if you were to look at uh at that area of the country um of course new york city is very densely populated mm-hmm. uh, but it just kind of shocked me that 42 percent of all the covid deaths have come from three states well you know when you think about it though chris you see all of the reports talk about cases and a lot of people will attribute the term they'll make you know the term case and death synonymous and that's not yeah that's not what the news is actually reporting but that's kind of the leading factor and it's what they want you to think so it's it's scarier that way but when you've got millions upon millions of people and there's probably more cases i mean it would only make sense that the, that there'd be a higher death concentration rate up there i would imagine because I mean, it's that's a hugely populated area just the northeast in general um i don't know because i know people will live in one state and work in another because the commute is not that bad Right. And so it's, I don't know, this doesn't really surprise me that much. I'm, I'm not, I would be shocked if it had been something like Kansas, Colorado, and, you know, N- Nebraska, you know, if it was in the center of the, the U.S. And right. know, we're not densely populated states by comparison. And so that's, I'm not really surprised. I mean, I'm kind of surprised Massachusetts. I was kind of joking with you there. So that. <laughs> no, I mean, Massachusetts is really uh, pretty, pretty densely populated, uh, especially in comparison to Kansas out here. Um but it, it, the article goes on and uh, somebody throws out a stat here that the uh, that those three same states represent 10% of the U.S. population. So, wow. um, so percentage-wise, they have a much higher concentration of COVID uh, issues and deaths than, than we do across the rest of the country. Because having 42% of the deaths and only 10% of the population, um, that tells you that their rate of infection and their rate of death is much higher uh, in those states than it is uh, in other places in the well, country. And they have more people per square mile than most of the other states out there. I mean, you're talking oh, yeah. about, I mean, that's, you got to kind of, I think I have to kind of keep that in mind. Some of those people are, are in the city, you know, transporting themselves, moving about the city shoulder to shoulder. They're, I mean, they're packed in there like sheep. 
Yeah. And so it's, it, it didn't surprise me that the, you know, if something gets in New York, it just spreads like wildfire, you know, yeah, it, and the, uh, the, the way they're doing the stat is deaths per million. Um, yeah. So New Jersey comes up at uh, just over 1,700 deaths per million people. Uh, New York is at 1,660 deaths per million people. Massachusetts falls pretty significantly down to 1,189 deaths per million. Um, and then the next biggest one is Arizona, and it's only 265. That's a big so jump that's, down. That's a five times decrease almost, yeah. uh, four, four, four times decrease uh, in rate. So uh, and then you go down to Texas, which is the last one on the list here that they're showing. That's my home um, state. And yeah, and Texas isn't the bottom of the list. It's mm -hmm. just the uh, it's the six one down, and that's only ninety four deaths per million. So uh, I mean, the the infection rate in these areas that are very densely populated is is incredible. Well, then there's the infection rate, but then the death rate is completely different numbers. So these numbers, you're the the stats you're giving. Those are literally deaths per million, not cases per million. And so it'd be interesting right. to see what the cases per million are and to see how, how what that ratio of who's infected and who dies and in what. Does Jersey have the higher rate if, if more people are infected, more people die? Or, you know, you're, you kind of have to wonder about the uh, what those numbers look like by comparison. That would be interesting to me to see that yeah. one. Texas could have the most that are infected, but the least amount of deaths. So yeah, and I think that has to do a lot with, uh, you know, distribution of uh, different types of population, right? You know, your age groups, right. things like that. So, um, but just, you know, I think it kind of, for me, put things in context when, you know, we're in Kansas here and, and we're going nuts wearing face masks everywhere and, and yeah. it's good. I mean, we should be trying to, you know, get, take care of this thing and not spread this disease as much as possible. But um, it, it just goes to show you how very broad stroke of, uh, you know, preventative measures, um, you know, which makes sense in one area, um, may not make sense in other areas where there's not as much of a risk. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned trying to prevent the spread and, you know, the number of cases, and this kind of segues into the other coronavirus um, article that you had um, chosen on here for today. And that, that's the number of cases that are legit versus the ones that aren't. Well, it's not that they're not legit. I think that what this article is saying here in the title of the article is heart conditions drove spike in deaths beyond those attributed to COVID-19 analysis shows. And so what's happening is that you have actually uh, in especially in areas like New York City and New Jersey, where you have people that have heart conditions that are not going to the doctor because they're afraid of COVID. Right. So now they're right. dying. They're dying prematurely at home when they could have gone gone and gotten medical care. Um, and so they're dying of, of deaths not related to COVID, but really it's kind of a COVID related deaths. And um, unfortunately, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I, I don't have the, uh, the link here, but they were talking about how in Los Angeles, there was a doctor that said that he has seen the number of suicide cases in the first four months of this month that they normally see in an entire year. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's not slowing down at all. So suicide is becoming a huge issue. Well, uh, I mean, the there's so much fear mongering that's going on and so much quarantining. And I think we, you know, with the, the, the all the quarantine that has taken place, all the face masks that is, you know, all these different mandates, these different things that are coming out, you know, it's, it's very trying on the brain to yep. have this complete change that you didn't ask for, you didn't want to be part of. And it's for a virus that may or may not be as, dangerous as what people are saying because there's there's more and more videos that are coming out saying yeah it's bad and it's contagious but you know if you're healthy and 
you know, take care of yourself, you will heal from this. It's not going to kill every person that gets it. But when you quarantine people and you get them scared and they rely so much on media, specifically social media for their insight and their information, I'm really not surprised that it's driving people to make these rash, crazy decisions that, you know, could be suicide, could be self-harm. It could be not calling the doctor when you're sick to see mm-hmm. if you need to be. But, and I know that's, I think that's what's irritating me about all this COVID-19 pandemic stuff is that the face mask has been pushed over and over and over again. Not call your doctor if you feel ill, not wash your hands, not, you know, if you really don't feel good, even with, you know, X, Y, Z symptoms, try to stay home as much as you can. It's just been go about your business and wear a face mask and you're fine. But that's right. not okay. That is it, but it's not, not a cure-all. Okay. It's, it's not a no, cure-all at all. People think that now because they're going on Facebook and they're beating each other up saying, if you don't wear a mask, you don't care. And you're yeah. evil and you're selfish. I, I've had some several of that on my Facebook feed. And it's everybody's making this about a face mask agenda versus how do we really, you know, we don't control the flu virus. We've got the flu season. And that that impacts a lot of people every year. We don't take any extra precautions and it's it it I can see why people are so distressed to the point of either intentional or unintentionally self-harming themselves because it's crazy right now. There's it's hard to know up from down and what to believe and and then you get people mask shaming is a thing now. Yeah, it's a thing. Like, who, so who knew? Yeah, I mean, let's go who, back to body shaming. That was easier. Good yeah, night. Who, who knew that that you know that mass shaming would be the thing in 2020, right? Oh my gosh, it's and this is level seven of Jumanji 2020. So <laughs> yeah, we are here at level seven. <laughs> I I, mean, I'm still waiting for murder hornets to come back. Oh, I think somebody had took their turn on the Jumanji table before they could attack and, and beat out whatever <laughs> that was. But yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for you know this is why the aliens won't come visit us. Is every time they fly by, they lock those those ship windows. Be like, no, the, no, they're nuts down there. We're not coming. Actually, down there. I saw I saw a meme that uh, that alluded to that, and it says, "Are we up yet?" And it said, "No, uh, they're still they're trying the Corona thing again." <laughs> I saw that one. I kind of got frustrated the day, and I posted something on Facebook that said, "So." What do we just say? F it and play out 2020, see what happens, or do we need yeah. to figure out whatever celestial being 2020 is taking its orders from and submit to it? Pretty much, right? <laughs> like this is getting this is crazy. It's bad. Oh my gosh, it's so <sighs> bad. But All it's, right, so it's, it's everywhere. No, you're good. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, so the next one, uh, of course, talks about uh, defund the police, but. Uh, uh, I thought this was kind of funny and uh, ironic, right? Somebody, you know, of course they they painted defund the police on the yes. on the street here in front of the Milwaukee City Hall, and then somebody went out and and uh, basically changed a couple letters around and made it say defend the police. Yes. <laughs> so I, I thought that was the irony was pretty awesome there. The, the really great thing about that it's it's and it's probably not great. I don't know how you describe it, but I think it's interesting. There's some thought put into this because the second E in defund was done in blue line. The E yeah. in straight yep. blue line. So there was definitely some. That, that um, was pretty awesome. There are some messages in there. And I, I'm not a big fan of defunding the police at all. Um, there was, we had, a, I live in a small suburb outside of Wichita. And uh, somebody, when the, this whole police thing came up about defunding them and tearing police departments apart and going into community pro- uh, policing, we had a gentleman um, in my small town that went to stand out by the corner and held up his sign, handmade, no big deal, just by himself. And you could just tell he's mm-hmm. out of the world. And it says defund the police. And he stood there all day long. And I don't know what happened, but all the Facebook rhetoric said he was approached by somebody and there was a back and forth. And the guy holding the defund the police sign 
called the police to respond to this other guy who wanted to have a conversation. Hey, <laughs> I, come help me out here. I don't want you here, but I need you here. That's yeah. So it's like, Oh, I, uh, it's yeah, so silly. It is. It's so silly. Like I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not in again, you know, I'm not in into defense, you know, defunding the police at all. I mean, my only thing that I ask is that police uh, forces look at their spending and make sure that they're spending their money smartly. Right. right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much against uh, the police having military uh, level equipment uh, because I just don't think there's a need for that. And uh, if you need the military, then the military needs to come in. There's no reason for uh, you know, police force to have, armored vehicles and those sorts of things. See, I mean, it's just, I think that, I think so. that's going to, um, I think that's going to be case by case in the different regions. I know I've, I've, um, I have a brother who is a police um, officer. Um, and I, my, my boys, his dad's police officer. So I've got some, some background in this and depending on the department, one department's a very, very small department. Um, there's not a lot of crime. So they have the weapons and the equipment, I should say that they need based on what their, their, um, their community has taught them to have. They're just not a high crime area, so they don't have right. a lot of need. My brother works in a very high crime city. It, it once held the title, and it still may, as being um, the, the having the highest murder rate per capita, and it's here in Kansas. And so, him being a cop, you know, that community has also taught them what equipment they need to maintain order and control. And I know that my brother had shared with me that the one specific rule that they have, and this may have changed, but they cannot, whenever they're in a situation, they, they're taught and trained to evaluate things very, very quickly because one of the split decisions they have to make is, is the weapon that this person is using, I need to go, I can only, they can only go one step um, over the weapon that's being used against them. So if it's a hand, they can't go, they can't use a gun. You know what I mean? Right. If there's a knife, then I believe like the, whatever that next, so they've got a whole matrix of, um, of what they can and can't use based on what's being, um, what they're being threatened with. So they've made it complicated is what you're telling well, me. I'm, I'm probably making it sound more complicated when he described <laughs> it to me, he's way better at it, which is why he's in that business. And I'm not, right. but, um, there was an issue, but I mean, but I mean, come on. I mean, okay. So one step better, right? So if you're going to use a four wheeled armed vehicle with a, you know, with the, basically the ability that something that's bulletproof, then that means that the person has to have one step below that. Right. Well, who, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know who has one of those vehicles roming around here. in Wichita area. <laughs> I, I don't know so, in Kansas either, I but, but I mean, I do, I, I do know police uh, forces have them. And uh, you know, I mean, we used to make those vehicles uh, at a company that I worked for. We didn't, we didn't make the police versions. We made the military versions, but you know, I mean, that's uh, and even if they get that equipment, uh, you know, as the military gets rid of equipment, they sometimes give it to right. police forces, that kind of thing. So, well, um, you know, they may not spend a lot of money on it, but, but I think that, you know, that message is that our, you know, as a, our police force, are they a military force or are they truly a police force? And if they're a police force, they need to be engaged in community activism and, uh, well, and actually policing and not being a military. Well, what did, I guess it depends on the community. I, I used to work for a company where we did a lot of international work and we were working at the border towns of Texas and Mexico where the drug cartel was huge. In fact, my, my role required some business travel, but that was one area I was not allowed to travel to because the risk was so high for me to be down there. And so those are the kinds of things that I think we have to think about. We know what's available in our area um you know we live in the Wichita yeah, area and that's but, one thing but, but even but even in border towns right i mean you you should have a federal response there for those sorts of things and not, I don't not know. a city city of whatever shouldn't 
shouldn't be having the response to that stuff. I mean, and I have no idea. That'd be a great thing to kind of look into and figure out. I, I mean, I, I mean, border, border security is certainly a federal issue. It's not a, it's a local, you know, town issue. Right. And, and I'm with you. I think, you know, that the police forces are going to have different needs depending on where they are. Right. Right. I mean, if you're a police force in Colorado, then you have a need for four wheel drive vehicles, <laughs> Yeah. you know, because the weather sucks there and you may have to go up in the mountains and right. all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying that we should, we should, uh, you know, we should shame anybody that has any sort of equipment like that. But I'm just saying, let's be smart about it, you know, yeah. and let's get back to where our polices are. Uh, you know, they're not a show of force for, you know, quasi military that they are uh, actually doing what they're supposed to do, which is policing. Well, and I'd, I'd like to see them change some of their policies. I know one thing that really makes me nervous is when I'm being pulled over and I've been pulled over several times and I've always been nervous. Uh, when I get pulled over, just because I don't like being in trouble, plain and simple. Right. I don't want to be the one in trouble. But I wish they wouldn't pull up behind you. I wish they would pull out in front of you and walk towards you. That freaks me out. Them coming up from, I don't like anybody coming up from behind me. That is yeah, I think they, they pull up behind you for your safety, right? Because they, right. if you notice, they always kind of pull out a little bit into the road. Right. Um, and then because they have their lights on the back and that sort of thing. Some so. do, yeah. And I just, I'd like to see some of those policies reviewed. And I don't know anything about them. And so maybe there's something there that I don't realize, but um. I just, I, I definitely think policy and procedure. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity to take a look at those along with the oh, budget, absolutely. see how they can reevaluate yeah. and re reallocate, redistribute, relearn. There's I mean, I, I personally wish that Wichita here would take a look at their speed limits and they need to bump most of their speed limits up by 10 miles an hour because it's just a big racket oh for them God. to make money on speeding tickets. It's, and, you know, I mean, I, I got a ticket here in the last month and since then I've really paid attention to driving the speed limit. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've almost been rear-ended because mm -hmm. I'm going 35 miles an hour and there's some crazy person that's coming up behind me 10, 20 miles an hour faster. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. They are actually creating a traffic hazard uh, with a lot of these speed limits that are way too low. Yeah. It's, I, there's definitely, it's, uh, they need to increase those speeds. It, it's been that way for way too long, way too long. So there's, there's a lot of work here in town. So I'm sure there's a lot of work in, in towns everywhere with that kind of thing that yeah. it just, I mean, the, the, I mean, the turnpike went up to 75 recently or a couple of years right. ago. So it's possible. Just do it. Just do it. Somebody, yep. somebody put out a petition there. Those things are popular right now, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Maybe we can get them to do something good, but you know, you look at Wichita and they have a very large uh, traffic enforcement unit yeah. uh, with lots of motorcycle cops and things like that. And, I mean, really, uh, and Wichita was named as the fastest city in the whatever region that they did the study in, right? But it really is just Wichita wrote the most speeding tickets. Right. Because, because I can tell you, lost. coming from New England, people around here drive pretty slow. <laughs> yeah. So for them to be getting speeding tickets, there's something wrong. And I think when you look at like, uh, you know, our region and when our region grows, um, I think that's a factor. I think, I absolutely think that that's a factor that somebody coming from out of state, to evaluate which is going to drive around and go, man, the people here are driving pretty slow. And, you know, look at all the cops that are all on Kellogg, you know, and I think, uh, I, I just, I, I, I really think that's holding our, our city back. Yeah, I would agree. So do you, you listen to a Lady Antebellum at all? I don't listen to a lot of country music. I'm familiar with Lady Antebellum. I, I followed them when they first came out and their big hit. What's the name of that song? I need you now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I probably could recognize their song if, uh, if it came on the radio Yeah, uh, and I know the name of them, but, uh, apparently they, they found out that, uh, Antebellum has, uh, some racial, 
um, you know, contacts that they wanted to get rid of. So they wanted to rename the band here, Lady A. Um, except the problem is there's another Lady A yeah, who's been geez. doing music for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and now they're kind of like trying to forcefully take over the name because they uh, apparently she never trademarked her name. And so then they went and trademarked it. And now they're saying that it's their name and they were suing her for using the name. And what a mess. That's ridiculous. You know, this is so silly. And first off, changing the name to start with, you knew why you picked that name. You knew first if it was yeah. your southern roots, if it was whatever. You didn't just go say, "Hey, Lady Antebellum sounds cool. Let's put that on a on us. Let's let's brand us that way." They knew what it was. They knew the history to it, and because this is the trend right now, if there had never been any of this big rise of the BLM and Black versus White controversy, they never would have considered this. So they really should have left the name alone to start with and maybe rebranded themselves or this. I think this is on Lady Antebellum for even changing their name to begin with. And then I'm a big blues fan. I love blues music. I'm familiar with who Lady A is on that side. Um, And so I I definitely think um, Lady Antebellum crossed the line without they should have checked first to see. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, that's so not cool and if lady antebellum isn't racist anyway if the group members are not racist then they had nothing to worry about they could have found a way they if they had a good marketing person they could have found a way through this but now now to to take the silver lining from this more people are going to know who lady a is from the blues world oh yeah so that's great (laughs) so there's well except except she was saying that uh before all this went down people could google her name and find uh, her music. And now that they've, this whole thing is blown mm-hmm. up her, her uh, Google search results are buried, you know, like oh, uh, yeah. how many of her pages deep. So now nobody can find her. Well, that's what your, uh, that's what your, your production people do is they go out and they, you know, take up all the Google space they can. And, you know, they steal up all the names that you can, just like you do with any other kind of search when you're first starting your business out and you want to be found. And again, they should have, they had to know if that's in keeping that in consideration. I should have thought of that. They knew that this was happening. They knew this was coming their yeah. way. And then to want to this to sue her. And I, it's like, and really? I guess, you know, uh, I, to me, we're kind of, I, I don't really get the whole, uh, you know, the connection to slavery here. I mean, antebellum, if you Google it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it says here, it means before a war. And the term has been widely associated with a pre-civil war period in the yeah. United States when slavery was practiced. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I don't, I, to me, I don't see where that, that word, I mean, it has a connection to that past where slavery right. existed, but I don't see where it is pro-slavery or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's right. Not, it's not. And that's why I'm more upset with this whole, it, it, I'm more upset with this situation because of that. They didn't do the research. They didn't stand by what they were going for to begin with. And now, and I think it's just the thing that's blowing my mind the most. They're a white band. They're a white man suing a woman for yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like, do you guys understand what you guys look like jackasses now? (laughs) I mean, Uh pardon the language, but quite frankly, you you look you look like jackrabbits all the way around. I mean, if if anything, they should have reached out to her and brought her on as part of their gig or something. You know, I mean, there's so much they could have done here. Mm And instead, they chose to just be a holes about it. Well, so. the thing they were trying not to look like, now they kind of look like. Yeah, it's, now they absolutely look like it. <laughs> They're, you know, they. This was a, if you want to talk career fails, here's a career fail for you for sure. Like this is yeah, well, this is 
This is certainly a marketing fail, and yes. I, I don't know, uh, I don't know where if this is going to hurt them or not. I think, you know, in, in culture, I think people called them Lady A anyhow. Yeah, because Antebellum was too hard to say, right. or you know, it was a was just a, a you know a nickname. So um, I, I don't know. We'll see how this one plays out. But uh, apparently, they're trying to play it off like they've made up with Lady A, the real Lady A, and the real Lady A is like, no, we haven't made up, and so. I don't know more God, to come on God that. We'll, we'll see where it plays out. That's why transparency but. is so important in business and business dealings. When you've got one group saying, oh, no, we're cool. It's all cool. And the other one's like, no, we're not. We are not yeah. cool. This is not cool. There, You, you can tell there's somebody is hiding something somewhere. It could be both sides. It could be one. But this Who knows? it doesn't look good for anybody, specifically the band. It just, yeah. y'all just should have just held on to the name help people understood what it meant, why you chose the name and then moved on. With, that's all Lady Antebellum had to do was say, Hey, this is where we started from. This is what's happening. And this is how we're going to move forward. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's even more basic than that. It's like, just don't be an a-hole, you know, like that's so have some hard. decency and some respect for other people. It's so hard. I mean, Chris. people can't do you know, that. That's not how they I mean, operate. Lady A has lawyers and they have, marketing people and they should have done a google search and within two minutes they would have said well actually somebody's also already been using that name for a long time uh-huh. you know what they you probably know. did probably thought and nobody knows who she is and she'll never know you know it's right. probably one of those things like eh, just ignore that, it'll go that, away that's where they're being that's where they're being a jerk yeah, so. they're being jackrabbits that's yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so anyhow we'll see where that uh <laughs> where that plays out in the courts i have a I have a feeling that one's going to be expensive for them yeah so. probably rightly so i suppose yeah. Do you like tea? I love tea. I'm drinking as we speak. I, you, I drink a lot so of you could, tea. You'd like you like your tea, right? I know you I like do. your tea, and you would be a perfect fit for the British <laughs> Army. <laughs> Probably so, based on this next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did not know this. This is kind of news to me. But Army tanks in Britain actually have a, uh, a, uh, a uh, one of those pot warmer craft things that boils water so that they can have tea. Yes, there's because tea time is a thing for tea time yes. is definitely a thing uh, in England, right? Well, yeah, and they we've got um, some British coworkers that I've spoken with them, and because they make fun of me for drinking coffee because they can't stand it, and they drink coffee like we do tea. You know, they make it into a latte or into a creamy, sugary substance, and uh, but they're like, yeah, this is our thing, and sometimes it's scheduled, but it's a that is that is the custom, it's culture. So they call this uh, the thing that makes the water a bivy. Uh, and it's apparently a trend that's catching on is, is calling, uh, you know, something to boil water, a bivy. Ah. Uh, and I always like in England, they always have the coolest names for stuff and they have the coolest swear words too. Yes. But anyhow, that's a whole nother conversation, but, worthwhile uh, conversation. So, <laughs> so my, uh, my favorite thing that I see around 4th of July is those t-shirts that say happy treason day. Yes. You know, if you look at it from the British point of view, right. <laughs> All the Americans are treasonous, you know? Um, but anyhow, this is kind of going along that lines and, uh, it's just kind of a fun thing that they did, um, in order to honor independence day, you know, of course, July 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyhow, the, uh, the British officer here, you know, pulls up in a tank, literally, uh, you know, pulls out this, uh, this bivy that has hot water in it. And he says, and this is how you make a proper, you know, uh, a proper mug of tea. And he, he's got a, you know, a mug, milk, spoon, sugar, and kettle. Uh, and he says, not a microwave. And I'm, I'm guessing that's a, uh, a dig to some American equipment that may have a microwave in it. Um, but, but anyhow, yeah, so. it's, there's a specific way to make the tea and it is boiling water, not microwaving water. Cause that's not the same thing at all. So that's, that's why that little tick is in there. Cause I was corrected on that myself. 
Were you? <laughs> yes, I was. When I, I have a, a kettle for making my tea. And so um, that's something I've got two different kettles. Um, and so when I mentioned that my son likes to reheat his coffee in the microwave and occasionally I'll, I'll if I have some cold tea and I want it warmed up, I'll do, you know, I'll rewarm it. They're like, no, that is not, nope, not tea anymore. You have to yeah. have boiled water. And it was a whole conversation I got in trouble. It was the whole thing, huh? Yeah, and I, I, I appreciated the insight though. I learned a lot. <laughs> Well, I actually got a uh, a camping stove for when my son and I go camping, um, and it, it came. Uh, I had to buy the extra, but there's a little uh, French press that I could buy with it, and this thing is designed to boil water quickly. Yeah. Um, so you can have those freeze dried meals, you know, where you put the water in it yeah. and kind of stir things up, so you can have a nice hot meal somewhere on the trail. Um, but it has this little French press thing that I bought extra, so I'm gonna try and make my uh, French press coffee nice. while we're out camping the next time. Nice. That's so awesome. I thought that was kind of cool. That will be cool. But yeah. I always love that kind of stuff where, uh, you know, you have that kind of friendly rivalry going on and that, that was, uh, that yep. was a good one from the British army. I so. love that. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, what, what do we have next? What's, what's on the agenda next, hey, Chris? You're ready to step into career workout? Let's go step into career workout, see what's happening there. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder lift and push it's the career workout all right so i've provided all the entertainment here for the uh, the news article so it's time for you to carry some of the load here i'm I'll gonna slack of off <laughs> so one of my biggest pet peeves being at work because i'm all about career development and culture and you know all the stuff that everybody kind of laughs off at work you know because we're, we're at work to get a job done right we're not here to make friends or be kind or whatever and so i disagree with that to a point um, and in that kind of that we're here to get a job done attitude is that we've always done it this way. This is how we've always done it. And, and for some cases, that's not a bad way to go about um, taking care of business. But when you're in a world with technology that's evolving as quickly as it possibly can, where your phone that you get, you know, this year is going to be outdated next year. We've always done it right. this way is not always a, a conducive way to conduct business. It's not a way to keep business sustainable, let, al let alone grow it. And so the article that I found is back on themuse.com. I'm finding a lot of great stuff on this, this website. I need to do some research and learn more about this place. But they, they had some tips for um, getting out of that whole, uh, we've always done it this way, and it's a change management type of um, oh, article. And so um, the first thing they talk about is setting an appointment. And so what that's, you know, I'm big on appointments. I like time management. And so when somebody says, hey, let's have a conversation on this later, I'm actually expecting them to set a time with me, even if it's 15 minutes, that's 15 undivided minutes I can give to that person. And other people right. are just nonchalant. And yeah, I'll catch you later. And then that later turns into a couple of days, right? And so, um, you know, giving, when you want to, setting the appointment, like I said, it, it focuses the time that you want to provide to somebody or that you want to give to somebody so that you can get something done versus just saying something nonchalantly in passing or um, you kind of, you kind of lose some value to it if you're not kind of making something official out of the, the appointment time. And so, um, so this is setting an intentional time to talk with your supervisor or yes. somebody in the management team about, Hey, this is an idea I want to change. Yep. And you're saying, don't just spring it on them at the water cooler no. or while you're standing next to him in the bathroom or in the next yeah, stall, Don't chase him down right? to the bathroom. To, no, trust me. That doesn't work. You get ignored really quickly so, that way. So set some time on their appointment, right? Yeah. Don't be afraid give to them, check them You know, one thing that yep. I love about what other people do and I really appreciate it, 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 it just promotes 
um, my thinking on this is I'll ask somebody, Hey, I'd like to get some of your time. What do you think? They'll say, yeah, my calendar's up to date. Just go plan anything going on there. And that, that right. tells me that their time is valuable and I want to respect that. Whereas other people are like, Hey, I'm just going to walk into your office and I'm going to have this conversation. I really don't care what you're doing. Cause I need X, Y, Z thing. And that, <laughs> yeah. and you know, me, that's one of my pet peeves. Don't, you don't just walk into something and demand attention from them unless it's an emergency. And so setting that appointment gets their attention and lets them know. It, and it, it, you should have this and this leads into the next point. You should know the agenda, know what you're going to talk about, know what you want going into that. Come prepared. Yes. Yeah. So I, I want to go back on one as somebody that has a lot of people put stuff on my calendar, <laughs> please, Please do not put stuff on before 10 a.m. Oh my gosh. And do not put it on after three or four in the afternoon. Yeah, because those way. those times are when I get caught up on email or I'm trying to approve time cards or whatever it is I'm, I've got to do in the morning. And when somebody wants to come in and talk about something that's really, you know, not top of my priority right. at, you know, 8 30 or 9 in the morning, I'm kind of like, I'm definitely not giving you my full attention then because yeah. my head is wrapped up in a lot of other stuff that's going on. So, Definitely pick your time wisely. Yep. And, uh, you know, and if you have to wait a day or three or a week or whatever to get that time, that's way more valuable than mm-hmm. uh, just trying to squeeze it in at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm, I'm very big I'm against eight o'clock meetings and four o'clock meetings. Anything that requires me to be at my desk and paying attention to some eight o'clock in the morning is probably not ideal. It's, and it's hard for some people to get, you know, settled in at their desk, ready to go and then be somewhere in, in the office at eight o'clock, you're asking somebody to come right. in and go straight to a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning. And that's not ideal to start the business day with. And four o'clock, if it's going to be a long meeting and you know, it's going to take more than an hour, don't ever schedule a four o'clock meeting when people are getting off at five. That's one good way to get people to tell you no from now on at their yeah. meetings or yeah. not engage or not get all their time. And so that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's one of my things too, is I, eight o'clock meetings, I usually say no to them. I won't, I won't come to them because I can't get prepared enough to be there for them at all. And speaking of preparation, one thing I think I annoy people with when I schedule meetings is I tell them what I want to discuss, what I want to talk about, the talking points. And some people are like, Hey, I've already told you that this is coming up. We're just going to do this. And, and then I've got no idea. So when I get meetings from other people and they haven't told me that they were coming and they just send me a blank meeting invitation, it's like, well, what are we going to talk about? Why do I even need to be there? You know, give me a reason to right. be there unless it's one of those repetitive things like the, you know, we've got a, a regular meeting every day with our team that, you know, we we talk about what's going on because we're working remotely for the most part. So those things make sense. You know what you're going to be talking about. So it's, it's always beneficial to say, Hey, inviting you to this meeting. These are my talking points. And that way you give somebody the time to prepare or put out the questions you want to ask of other people so they can prepare for you instead of hearing I don't know the answer to that question. Let me get back to you or getting an answer that doesn't is not the real answer. I don't want to say lying yeah. because that's not what people try to do. And on meeting notices, you can always attach documents yes. now if you're using Outlook, which great? most I think most companies are, uh-huh. or even Gmail will let you do that or, or Google Calendar. So absolutely, you know, put whatever kind of background information you can on there, but don't don't overwhelm somebody. You know, right. I, I mean. If I get a meeting notice and it's got a 90 page document on there, I can guarantee you I'm looking at the documents first two, three pages, and that's all you're going to get. Make right? it minimal. So, you know, choose your information wisely, I think, yes. is, is the uh, the takeaway there. Well, reading's not the, the superpower that most people have anyway. So, you definitely want to be as minimal. You don't, want, like you said, don't overwhelm, don't overdo it. You won't get asked right. back for it again. Um, the next point is such a point that. 
you can, there's no real, other than hearing the word no, or I'm not going to do that. You see this more in the attitude of people and it's be ready to be met with resistance. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm the, I'm not the eight o'clock in the morning meeting person. Um, and I try to make sure people know that about me, but that's not always how it's going to flow. And I get that. Um, but there's still some things that if you go into a meeting and you, if you're not prepared or you are prepared, but you have this mentality of, I don't care what they want, I ain't doing it. Mm-hmm. Going very closed minded to these, to these meetings or with any kind of change or, you know, if you like, it goes back to the whole, we've always done it this way. So I'm not going to do it any other way. Or as the, right. the article points out, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's not the best philosophy to have. That's, yeah. I've got a computer that's sitting behind me. It's like seven years old because I bought it when I first started going to school. It's not broke. I don't have to fix it. I really don't have to replace it, but it just doesn't really work the way today's computers do either. And so I think that's. Well, that's- and I think it's important to put yourself um, in your supervisor's shoes or your manager's shoes and really look at it from their perspective, right? Because if you're uh, pitching a new idea and it's going to cost them money or it's going to take time, uh, which a lot of these, you know, it's, it's very unique to find an idea that, you know, doesn't cost money or doesn't take time to initially implement, right? right? Because, but once you implement it, it's going to be a lot better. Um, so that, that hump that you have to get over to implement something, um, you may get a lot of resistance from that. Uh, you know, budgets are tight. People don't have time to work on improvement. They barely have time to do what they're supposed to do anyhow. Um, so really, you know, try and put yourself in their shoes uh, and, you know, look at it from their perspective and try and try and, uh, you know, and it, it may be helpful to have a coworker and try and poke holes in the idea. Right. right. Because, uh, you know, the, you know, the bosses and the managers are certainly going to do that. So uh, if you can improve the idea before you even bring it to them by going over it with a coworker, that can be really helpful. Yeah. That feedback is super important. No matter how much it hurts, it's, it's helpful. Get it and use it. Um, the fourth tip they have is follow-up. And this is a big thing for me. This is where I see the biggest fail in business um, overall is you have a meeting, you have action items, and then you don't either plan the follow-up meeting to follow up on those action items or a follow-up plan, or you just don't follow up at all. Right. I've seen a lot of gaps get created. Um, and that's those gaps where things fall through the, the cracks. Those are the cracks. Those the, where you don't follow up. And so it's, there's nothing wrong with when, when you meet with somebody or you have an action item. And even if you don't get followed up with, there's nothing that says you can't follow up with somebody else. And a really great example of that is I had somebody contact me saying, hey, I have been designated with this task. I'm done with it. But my task depends on this person who's up at the executive level and I'm not executive level. And I don't know how to approach them and follow up with them to say, hey, I think I'm done with this task, but I won't know until I talk with you. And how do I approach somebody like that? And that's a really good question because that can be really scary to try and say, hey, are you done? Because I can't move on until you're done, especially if they're right. a couple seats higher yep. than you on the, the organizational hierarchy chart. And so things like that, there's nothing, I mean, these people who are higher than you, their title doesn't mean anything more than what their responsibilities are and who reports to them. And so if you just, you can approach those situations by simply saying, hey, I'm pretty sure I'm done with this task. I know my task is dependent or your your task is dependent upon me. Is there any reason why I can't shut this task down and, and move on to my next one? Do you need anything from me? And so that follow-up is really significant in getting things done, getting things taken care of and finishing out projects. Sometimes we get almost to the end and we kind of flitter out and forget to, to take up that follow-up yep. step. And that's really shiny new object, right? Yeah. Squirrel. Yeah, for the next one. <laughs> squirrel. This looks like fun. Next. 
Yeah. And so, and don't be, don't be afraid to follow. You know, I see a lot of people are saying, Oh, I'm just following up. And I, Oh, I just wanted to check. People expect you to follow up with them. Do it. They expect to be held accountable. Do it. If you don't yep. hold them accountable, you're teaching them that they can get away with stuff. And then yeah. how are you going to respond yeah, I to think, that? I think it's easy for stuff to fall off the radar. So oh, yeah. yeah, just keep, keep it in focus and remind people about it every now and then. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and I would say also work on it when it's appropriate, right? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be times when it's not appropriate to be making changes and there's going to be other times when it's very appropriate to make changes and you need to know the difference between the two. Yes, so. you do. Absolutely. All right. The last point is stay positive. Yes. This is attitude is everything. Attitude develops. It determines altitude. It determines a lot of stuff. Um, and I've seen in all, in all of my positions, the people that do the best, that promote the best change are the ones that are, that are positive. And this is not to say that they're they've they're being positive about something. They just have a positive personality of, you know, their their idea got shot down, but they're fine with that. They'll still, you know, they're not going to take those setbacks as, or they're not going to take those rejections as major setbacks, rather. Um, but it's the more positive are you at work, and actually in overall life, this isn't just a work thing because there's all kinds of challenges around us. But the more positive you try to maintain, and I probably think optimistic is probably a, a better word than being positive the better off you, you are going to do, you know, don't take things to a personal level, realize that if you've got somebody that you're up against, especially if they have the decision-making power and their philosophy is we've always done it this way, then instead of saying, Oh, they're just against me. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. It's okay. They're not listening. What can I do to get them to listen? And I know that is, that's, that's more of an optimistic attitude than it is a positive one, but trying to not take those things in that kind of light to move something forward versus, Oh, well, it's, they don't want me to do this. It must be, they think I'm bad. That negative is going to be passed around the office very, very quickly. That grows faster than a positive attitude, unfortunately. Uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. That's been my, my experience, Chris. I'm pretty sure you've probably experienced the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, and in my studies with psychology, it, uh, you know, negative definitely is uh, more sticky and travels faster than the positive. Mm-hmm. So it does. Unfortunately. Gotta, so it really does. You definitely, you definitely have to temper that. Yeah. It's hard to sometimes, sometimes that's where, you know, we talked in a previous episode, you, you know, schedule your breaks in and you know where those breaks are at. So that when you get to a point where you're super frustrated, use those breaks to really kind of, you know, resettle yourself, rebalance yourself. Um, kind of get your bearings back underneath you so that way you don't have to throat punch somebody at work because that is highly frowned upon and we'll get you. <laughs> that, is career, career. that is career limiting. Career I mean, player. I guess the only, the only other thing I'll, I'll add to that is uh, um, you can be fake positive too. And that's, that's almost as worse as being negative. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, be human. I mean, I think, but you have to be emotionally intelligent enough to know that, uh, when it's appropriate to vent and when it's not. Yes. And who, uh, and who it's appropriate to vent with and who it's not. Careful right. who you vent to. Just because you, you get along with somebody doesn't mean you're friends and that you're that doesn't open the gates to vent at all. Yep. That's a yep. very difficult lesson I had to learn early on in life is just because you get along with them does not mean they want to hear your dirty laundry, whether it be work or, or professional or anything. Just Yeah. But, but on the opposite spectrum of that, if somebody is always super duper positive no matter what you're kind of like I, I don't know if i can trust that person because they just don't seem real yeah you know they're not authentic yep so be be authentic but stay positive yes. i think that's the message yes i agree i agree so with that we've got our career workout 
You want to go into a major career fail? Sure. Let, let's. What career fail do you got? Career fail of the week. So you haven't by chance heard of Jeffrey Epstein, right? Or had heard. Oh, I wish I hadn't, but yeah. I think he's probably um, created the most posthumous memes I've ever seen before in my life. and well, He definitely didn't kill himself, right? I'm pretty, I'm on board with that one. If I had to pick a conspiracy theory, that's the one I'm going to go with and bet a lot of yep. money on. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it looks like there's a um, quote unquote partner in crime with his career fail. Um, he had a romantic interest or girlfriend or some sort of relationship with a woman named Ghislaine Maxwell. Is that how you say it? I've, I've been dying to hear how you. I believe say it because I knew I was going to butcher it. it. It could be Gislaine, but I think it's Gislaine. But let's just call her Maxwell to make it easier on both of us. I think that. Okay, let's call it Mrs. Max or is it Miss Miss Maxwell? I, I believe I don't think she's married. I right? don't think I don't trust the media well enough. Most cases, so I have no idea if she's a Ms. All I know is that she was somehow intertwined with Jeffrey Epstein. So, so what I read about her, supposedly she was the one that was going out and basically finding the gals for him, right? I mean, she was the one making the arrangements and doing the logistics and and getting the getting the young girls in contact with him and like basically like talking them into this right. this whatever thing that they had going so, on. So yeah, the kind of um, the kind of industry that Jeffrey Epstein had been involved with until his um, untimely and probably righteously passing, unfortunately. Um, was drug or was sex trafficking. And so when you've got that kind of a ringleader, um, he is the main ringleader, but you have what is Maxwell's position. That's the madam. You have that one right. um, runner that get, finds all these people for you and brings them into the trade. And then that's how they become enslaved. And so she's the madam for Jeffrey Epstein. That's, that's how he got his supply. She supplied. Right. And so, and if I remember this right, uh, he had, basically connections to a bunch of well-known people mm -hmm. and political and Hollywood and those sorts of things. Right. And yes. so he ended up committing suicide or somebody killed him, one of the two, but he's dead now. And this was his, uh, you know, basically gal pal girlfriend, I guess you'd call it. And she was in, you know, involved with, uh, you know, making all this happen for yes. him. And now she has been arrested and, and as a, apparently she's going to spill her guts is what, what the word in the articles are saying right. that, that she's ready to talk because, you know, she wants, you know, she knows she's in big trouble. And I think she's trying to get as mm -hmm. uh, little of prison time as she, she can, which right. I think they're going to ultimately end up locking her up for the rest of her life. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so apparently they're moving her from cell to cell to try and, you know, if anybody's going to try and kill her to right. sort of throw them, throw which them off. You got to wonder if they're moving her from cell to cell to avoid assassins. And I don't see anything in the article that says there's been actual threat. It does make you wonder a little bit about Epstein. I mean, if they'd moved him around, would that be the same case or, well, it's almost, but you got to think, I mean, he, he was in New York city, right? I yeah. mean, somebody like that's going to have deep, deep connections. And, um, I mean, this would certainly make a good spy novel mm, Yeah, you know, it's or, or basis thereof. This is one of those things where you can't make it up. This is the, the EDC that yeah. human people are. This is how, yeah. how bad, how bad, how, this is how dark people can get. And, and I mean, She's, and she probably is. I mean, she's probably a, we're, you know, every time we see this woman's picture, it's probably looking at a dead woman, unfortunately for her. But those were the decisions that she made. She knew that this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, well, she's, I mean, essentially dead, whether she spends the rest <laughs> of her life in prison or somebody ends up killing her, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, um, what she did was horrible. And, and, uh, and she hopefully, 
I mean, the big, the big concern here is that she's going to implement a lot of uh, celebrities and, and politicians. Right. And so I wonder what the fallout's going to be from that. I'm really, uh, really hope that she gets the chance to tell, tell her side of the story and, uh, and, and spill the beans on who she's going to spill them on because, uh, I mean, those stories need to be told. Yeah. There was um, been several Facebook memes that have said that, um, this is the one arrest that the celebrities are not celebrating. And that makes people feel very nervous. Yeah. Like people are not on yeah. board with this. Like, yay, she's been arrested. And it's like, oh no, she's been arrested. <laughs> oh no, Crap. she's been arrested. <laughs> Nobody moves. She, she's kind of the linchpin in this whole thing, right? I mean, well, it's like the, um, oh, there was another gal that was big when she got arrested. She was a madam as well. And I can't think of her. Fleiss, Heidi Fleiss, I think was her name. And mm -hmm. she had the little black book of celebrities who were involved in not okay sexual. Um, yes. And so when she also was arrested, people were like, Oh no, that's also not good. Like that is, the, right. she had there. These are the gatekeepers of this industry. You know, they know who's getting what, where they're getting it, you know, what they're paying for it, where they're going to get it at. So she's got a lot of skeletons in her back pocket that she can pull out. And she's probably got deals already. She's probably, you know, going to spend her life in jail because of the the torment that's been caused by some of her choices and Epstein's choices and actions and those of everybody else. But um, if and if her death shows up as a, a news article here before too long, I will not be surprised. But this is a major yeah, me fail of yeah. you think you are riding high. You think you've got everything going for you, even if you're doing everything illegally. And it just takes one person to blow the right whistle and everything comes right. crashing down onto you. So that's a if you wanted yep. to Debbie Downer. There's your Debbie Downer story for the day. <laughs> Let's talk about something fun. That'd be good. What have you got? What's fun? Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. All right. So in the tech corner, I think we decided to talk about um, stuff in tech, right? Yes. Um, so you know, with the whole face mask thing here, I decided well. You know, if we're going to be wearing face masks, I should probably order something that's going to be comfortable. And then, of course, I got on Amazon and, you know, started surfing around and had way too much fun with this. But I found the NTBOKW Animal Face Mask Bandana for Sun Dust Wind Protection Mask for Motorcycle Riding, Fishing, Hunting, Festival Outdoors, 3D Seamless Mask for Men, Women. Say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, I can't. I'm out of breath. But what these are is uh, the, the the title is uh, definitely clickbaity for Amazon, so that you can put in keywords and those thing will pump up, pop up. But what it is is these are uh, these are uh, bandanas that go all the way around your neck, so they're they're like a tube. Yep. Um, and you can pull them up around your face, and they're much easier to breathe through than the standard paper mask or whatever. Um, and they're a lot easier uh, on your glasses. And of course you can just pull them down and pull them up, which is what I like about them. But what's really cool about them is that they are imprinted to look like dog faces. I've seen it. I've seen it. And it just, cool. so there's, <laughs> there's more than dog faces though. There's uh there's a dinosaur here. Uh, there's uh there's a uh, tiger face. There's a snake face. There's all sorts of fun things, but I did order oh. uh, a black lab one since uh, the kids have a black lab at their mom's house. Uh, that I used to have, and then uh, ordered uh, I ordered a yellow lab one, but that one has seemed to walk away with my daughter, so I might have to order another one of those. So what I find interesting about this, and I've seen these actually before, so I've got two interesting points on this. One, I've seen these masks prior to masks being the fashion trend for a pandemic. 
Um, I'd seen them on Facebook and I thought, well, those are kind of cool because they worked as a headband for girls. They worked around the neck, yep. face, you know, all kinds of neat things. And so, you know, little that kind of caught me off guard seeing how that was already out there and now they're getting big and people are making a bunch of money off them. The second thing is that when the masks were going to be mandated, as they became mandated, I posted something to be funny on Facebook saying, look, just for all you mask people out there who are for it, good for you. That's great. Just keep in mind, some people have a very morbid sense of humor when it comes to things that they're forced <laughs> to do. And you just yeah. told a bunch of people that they had to stay home. Some of those warped minds that had to stay home were told that alcohol was essential while quarantining, not that liquor stores were essential businesses. Those are two different statements. And then now they're being told they have to wear masks. So you've taken this deranged human being with a funny sense of humor and you've put a bunch of alcohol in them and now they have to go out and find a mask to wear. And so these are really cute. I, I, they make me laugh because I've, they do look pretty funny when they're worn. Cause they're, I mean, they, they're, they're just lifelike looking almost, but I've seen some other questionable things out there for masks <laughs> like this. And I'm like, don't be, I- don't be taking the glory away from my dog mask here. Yeah. There are, there are stupid people out there that have all sorts of weird stuff. The other, the other one that I did order was, uh, um, the kid from the Mandalorian, the, the baby Yoda. Oh, so they, the baby Yoda, I, I wear out a lot now too. That's so that, that one's a lot of fun. Oh my but what's stupid about these is they print the, the same thing that they show you on Amazon. They print it on the front and the back. I'm like, no, just put it on the front. I don't need a dog face on the back of my head. Okay. Oh my! God. I don't know why they did you know that. What? You know, what? just because somebody would have printed something else on the back to make it look like the back end of a dog. So they, they should have put the ears on the backside. That, that would have been a big plus, but <laughs> that's funny. Anyhow, well, let's talk some actual tech here. Why don't we? Um, So Apple announced something pretty big and everybody was either loving it or hating it in the tech world. And that is that Apple is going to go away from using the Intel processors in their MacBook uh, line of laptops. Um, And and here's why that's really big is that Apple is going to take the same processor technology that they put in their iPads, and their iPhones, and they're going to make laptop processors with that same architecture right okay um and and i really didn't think anything about that until i found this article um and this video and if you watch the video it's why this is a big deal for people that do video editing which of course i do a lot of um and basically what they're saying is the the thing that's really cool about having the same processor architecture in your laptop and your ipad is that all of the ipad apps will now work on the laptop so Uh you will no longer have to have two different sets of apps for your laptop and your iPad. So that, I mean, that opens up like a bunch of stuff. Okay. That makes um, sense. And uh, they also made a good point that since all those apps are optimized for touchscreens, that means that the next generation of, of, of MacBooks is probably going to be touchscreen. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So for the non, I mean, I have a MacBook, I have an iPhone, I don't have an iPad, so I know I have one app for my Mac and I have one app for my iPhone. So there was another app for the tablet then, correct? Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Most of the time they'll, they'll do a version for the iPad because the screen real estate is bigger. Yeah. They'll do another version of the app for your iPhone. Now, some of the iPhone apps will work on, or most, all of the iPhone apps will work on the iPad. It's just that the screen isn't optimized for it. So okay. you'll see like a big giant version of the, of the, or actually it'll show you, um, a version of the screen. It's actually the size of an iPhone. Right. 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 Um, but now, you know, like for video editing and stuff, there's lots of cool apps for the iPad that people use and are now going to work on the, on the laptop. 
which is really cool. And so um, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I mean, uh, it does open up a lot of possibilities and, uh, and, and certainly having apps on your laptop is going to be pretty cool because now you won't have to buy two different versions of something. Gotcha. That's pretty nifty. That'll work out nicely. Yeah. I thought that was cool. That is cool. Some good news in the whole COVID craze. <laughs> We've got our upper there. <laughs> Welcome to Media Madness. Media Madness. So I did something a little different. I didn't choose a book. I didn't choose. I went, I went to Netflix uh, because one of my favorite shows on Netflix is coming to an end. And it's, ah. it's, it's called Dead to Me. And so um, what this is, is that it's they're coming out with season three. So there's only going to be three seasons. And they kind of okay. did that on purpose. And I kind of like that because I, I brought this up because there, it looks like the evolution of series is taking place right before our eyes, where instead of trying to make something last as long as humanly possible, like Grey's Anatomy is a very good example of that. I think that show has been on since the dawn of time, and I don't think it's right. going to go away, and that's why I can't watch it. There's no ending to it ever, and I, I need it to end. <laughs> I need it to go away. All the great shows have an ending somewhere. And so this show, it's about two women um, and, th and though it looks like a chick flick type of thing in the trailers dudes will love this show it is hilarious um, uh -huh. a lot of vulgar language in there so be careful if you don't want kids hearing that but okay. these two gals end up meeting because um they, they needed a grieving um like a grievers anonymous type of thing it's where people go because they've lost somebody they're having a hard time dealing and processing so they go to this a support group to grieve and go through the process with other people and so the main character is played by Christina Applegate and the other character I can't Linda Cardinelli or I can't pronounce her last name. Um, let me look at her and her last name is Linda. It looks like Cardinelli. And so yep. Christina Applegate, Christina's character is approached by Linda's character. Who's like, Oh, I just want to hug you. You know, and Linda's character is being super sweet and super nice. And Christina's character is edgy and rough. Although she's a professional, she's just kind of been through the ringer. And as it turns out, these two have this, they end up meeting because Cardinelli in, had inadvertently killed Christina Applegate's husband by a hit and run. And so Christina Applegate goes on this journey to figure out and investigate who killed her husband, not realizing it's her, this woman who's becoming her best friend. Her new gal pal. Yes, her <laughs> new favorite. And it's, it's, the relationship development is really, it's, it kind of grabs you. It, it makes you want Christina to really like Linda's character and, you know, you can see the animosity there and, and eventually the truth comes out and that's where things really start getting interesting. And, you know, the plot really explodes and builds up. And so as it does, and I'm not going to give too much more away than that because I want you to go watch it. Uh, okay. They have figured out that um, they can't take the, these two women very much further. Like this was a very life altering situation. Yep. You've kind of run the story out. Right. It's like, a, it should have been a movie almost. Cause you, you know, the ending, you, you need an ending to get closure on all of this. And that's what I love about right. what Netflix is, looks like what they're starting to do. And Ozark is another one of them. And the end of the effing world is another one of them where they've got a lifespan and that's it. So it's like a elongated movie you can binge watch or you can, you know, take your time through it. And so they've got yep. last season, season three is going to be coming out this year. I think it is. And it's going to solve all the problems. It's going to answer all our questions. The great thing about it though, is you could spin off and make, create new Netflix series off of any one of these characters that's been introduced or has been developed for you. As so I really like right. how Netflix looks like what it looks like they're doing this on purpose. Cause I've seen a lot of their mm -hmm. shows come and go. They're not long lasting. Um, I think 
I know HBO has got some of these series out there that are long lasting. They try to get as much as they can out of them. I think Netflix has figured out, get them in, get them out, rotate them, keep them. And I really like this. And this is such an interesting story that they put together. And you just, I mean, even the guy that I'm dating, he's a, he sits there and he watches on the edge of his seat with me, even though it looks like a chick flick. It is, Mm -hmm. it's so engaging and so fun. And it's one of those where you're rooting for the wrong person the entire time because they're too dang likable not to. So it's, it's what, <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, it's fun. It's definitely my pick. It's, I, I recommend it to anybody got to go in there and watch it. Nice. Yeah. I think the spinoff thing is, is really big. I think these companies like Netflix and Hulu will, will put a series out there and then see what kind of sticks. Right. And then yeah. based on that, they'll go ahead and create another series based on characters that uh, seem to be really popular. Well, so. that's what they used to that's do. Awesome. Cheers spun off grammar, which is one of my Kramer Kramer. Oh my gosh. I can't think of it. I can't think <laughs> of the name of it. Um, but it was a cheers was, you know, that bar show that was a sitcom back in the mm-hmm. 80s and nineties. And it spun off yep. the psychiatrist show with Kelsey Grammer was that Frazier? Frazier, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's awful. Kramer wasn't Kramer. The other, the other uh, big, uh, now I can't remember. Oh, I know. Uh, Gosh darn it. Uh, the one that was set in New York, you know, they had the oh, Kramer versus Kramer, the movie. Or, no. Uh, anyhow. I know. See, see what I've done. Ugh. But yeah, it's the, some of the best shows are just spun off from another show. You, you kind of catch your eye on a character and you want to see more about them. And so I think those are, they work out better. And I like that they have a beginning and an ending. I know where that mm-hmm. is at because I've lost interest in Grey's Anatomy so many years ago because it was the same thing over and over. Somebody's going to come to the hospital. Somebody's almost going to die. Someone's going to live. Right. The same story yes. over and over again. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. Bring something new out. So yeah. I love this. Cool. Your turn. What'd you bring to the table? All right. So how, do you have a potty squatty or squatty potty? However you say I, it. I saw that on shark tank. Um, I saw when that, the guy, the person who brought that forth. So I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so that's uh so for people that don't know, that's a stool that you keep in your bathroom and the, uh, it's actually based in science, but you know, if yes. you pick your feet up and you're more in a squatting position, it'll make you flow better when you're doing the number two. <laughs> Right. But what's, what's not remarkable is the, is the squatty potty, but is how they marketed it. And, uh, and there's a, uh, the, the team that marketed it is called the Harmon brothers and they, uh, their story is in this book from poop to gold. And, uh, if you've ever seen the commercial for the squatty potty, it's a mythical unicorn. That's kind of like a animated puppet thing. Yes. And he's pooping out, uh, you know, rainbow colored ice cream. It's, Awesome. It, the, the look on the unicorn's face is just priceless. I, you can't tell. It's like, oh, you caught me, or oh, I can't believe that came out. There's, there's a lot to read in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then in the commercial, you got to go YouTube it. If you just YouTube squatty potty video or commercial, it'll come right up, and you'll know when you're watching the unicorn and the guy that looks like a squire. It's, <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's just marketing gold, right? Right. Um, but, but this book kind of goes into why that stuff works. And, uh, and it's, it's written by an author that, uh, um, is connected to the Harmon brothers. I can't really remember. It's been a little while since I read the book, but anyhow, he, uh, he goes and he basically chronicles, you know, how they got started and, and why this works and sort of what their method is. And, um, and they've done several other commercials that have been very uh, successful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and another one is for the purple beds. They had, uh, like a Goldilocks character on that one. Nice. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so this is a really good book for marketing. It's, it's really kind of entertaining, you know, even if you're sort of not in marketing, but this is kind of at the crossroads of, uh, you know, one of those business books and, and a how to book. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is a fantastic book. It's uh, uh, it really goes into their process in detail. And, it, you know, I mean, if you really wanted to make the same thing work, you could, you could almost copy what they do. Uh, in here, but, uh, you know, what they do is, is, uh, pretty simple. It's a very simple formula and, uh, but it goes into, you know, the, the screenwriting that goes into all these things. And, um, it's really remarkable how much effort really goes into, you know, a, a one minute or two minute commercial. Yeah. There is a lot of thought that goes into that. It's, it's, it's not as simple as what people think it is. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not as simple. It's a fun read. It's uh it's not, not that long of a book, but, uh, it is uh, is definitely a fun one here. That's so. awesome. I'll just check that out. I like how marketing works and the uh, the tips and tricks that are used. And people don't even realize it. Um, yeah. It's it's those are fun things to to read about. I don't know if I could actually do it as a, a living per se. Maybe I could. I don't know. There's um, but yeah, that, you never know. You never, you never know. Yeah, good, good, excellent. Well, what do you think? Are we are we good to go? Yep. You ready to close us out? Yeah, we probably should, huh? <laughs> Let's get out of here. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. If you like this episode, show us a little love by posting a review on iTunes. And don't forget to send us a few bucks on Patreon or PayPal. We'll love you forever because, you know, making a podcast, it's not free. To get the show notes for this episode, head over to bizandmayhem.com. That's B-I-Z-A-N-D-M-A-Y-H-E-M.com. And look for season one, episode nine. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, have fun in the mayhem. And get your party squatty. (laughs) 